Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host, Louis McCaffrey, Bolingoli, and tonight I'm joined by Christopher Somani, Bolingoli. Hello, Louis. Yep, just back from the sun. Great wee break. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk all about it. Fantastic. Stuart Duggan, uh, Bolingoli, you are um, the most handsome of all cynics. How are you? I'm in a foul midway, so uh, I'm looking for some catharsis, ideally, uh, but I suspect I won't find any. I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be a quite a, a hot debate tonight about my main man um, and <laughs> your uh, your your brother your elder brother elder yeah, brother yep w- wiser brother Ian Dugan um, Bolingoli of course um, how are you Ian I am yeah just livid but I'm happy to be here thank you for having me Louis thank but you I'm fucking livid double Dugan um, we need to mention that Louis double Dugan double Dugan yep Dugan squared. Um, it's Exciting it's good. For it's good, aye. Um, Bolly BB Dugan Dugan DD. Absolutely shite. You need to lift it. That is it's fucking fine. shite. It's all right. Fine. It's off to a bad start, but we'll get there. Listen, where's uh, where's my left back? The answer's Spain. <laughs> um, so Bolingoli, obviously the news broke yesterday that um, Big Mad Bolly decided to go. Um, to Spain for a night you know he's got a bit of cash about him he was bored he didn't get to play the Hamilton game the boss gives him a couple of days off he thinks right you know book a wee flight a wee commercial a wee Ryanair and uh, jump over to Malaga for a night we've all done it what's the problem you well, well, you well let's preview the next game then yeah you insinuating in here flies with Ryanair Louis Sorry, I thought this was the podcast of the. What's the Sorry, word I again? Thought this, I thought so this was Paul Carlin's finer things. Sorry, excuse me. I have to clap the wrong one. Let, let's be honest, we all fly with Ryan now. Um, right, so obviously the news broken and it's massive news. Bolingoli has um, taken himself to Spain and he didn't uh, quarantine when he came back. He was obviously in about the squad and um, he had been tested just like the rest of the team had been tested twice. Um, thankfully, everybody was negative and there was no positive tests and, and he didn't. He doesn't have coronavirus, um, but he obviously so didn't far. quarantine so far. And um, he obviously came on and played the last 10 minutes of the game against Kilmarnock at the weekend, which obviously brings up a, you know, we've got a lot to talk about in terms of football as well, but obviously we, we need to focus on this first of all. Subsequently, obviously today, they, it came out, Nicola Sturgeon spoke about it at our briefing and our next two fixtures um, that were meant to take place, one tomorrow against St Mern and Aberdeen at the weekend, both have been postponed. Um, he's fucked it. He's fucked it massively. I think everybody is rightly very, very angry about the whole thing. Um me and Stuart were having a wee laugh before we started recording that I was going to back him and say how amazing he was. I can't. Um, he's. I think he should be sacked. I, I, I know it's not an easy thing to do um, and, and there's a lot of kind of legal ramifications to it and things like that, but I think it's, it's you know, it is gross negligence of, of the worst kind, putting lives at risk, essentially. Um, and... I don't want us just to sell them. I know there's the business aspect of it and you want to get a transfer fee and all that sort of thing. I think if ever there was a time to have, take a kind of moral stance on it um, and kind of 
do the right thing, I, I think it would be personally, I, I would just sack him. I would terminate his contract and, and deal with the legal legal ramifications of it. What's everybody's initial thoughts before we, we get to kind of how and why it happened? What do we think of it all? Who's going first? I'll go first because I have to be completely honest that when it was Alan that messaged in a WhatsApp group about this last night and my initial reaction was that I laughed because it sounded so absurd. And I laughed and I said, what a mad bastard. That's absolutely wild. Why would anyone do that? And then quickly and then over the course of until now, it's just sunk in more and more the sheer scale of it. Not only... As you rightly say, there's the very obvious negligence of the breach of you know, the Scottish law, like the all all the kind of uh, COVID um, sanctions that were in place. The fact that he's broken the trust of the manager, his teammates, all of these things. No one really knows why at this point, but there's probably no reason that that can justify that. And then you're now in this position where not only has he put everyone at risk from potentially contracting that. Uh, virus but we're in this position now where we've got these two games postponed we're going to have an absolutely ungodly fixture list congestion wise the next time we play a league game we could potentially be 11 points behind Rangers because I believe they've got the lunchtime kickoff uh, for next uh, whenever the next set of games is the 20 something and the amount of pressure that that's going to put on this, the players for the rest of the season the amount of pressure that's going to put on the board in terms of getting the recruitment right, because you're going to need to have a robust squad that can handle playing two, sometimes three games in the space of a week. And it's a real butterfly flaps its wings situation where seemingly this innocuous, what's Big Mad Wally doing? That's wild. Why would anyone do that? Is now going to become this massive, massive thing for our season. And more than anything, if you want to be take it to the real nth degree, can anyone really see the season getting finished if today Scottish football in general has been put on a yellow card? Do you really see us getting through, if we can't get through two weeks without uh, at least nine high-profile breaches of of the, the the rules, can you see us getting through the rest of the season without another that would potentially lock us down again? So it's really, really serious. And it's so incredibly frustrating because I was talking on the agenda yesterday trying to approach things with a bit of pragmatism because felt like there was very quickly a, a real negativity coming in and around the squad after that poor performance at the weekend. And I just, you just never foresee something quite as as bad as this happening so quickly. Trying to possibly piece together the motivation. And as you, as you say, Stuart, it starts off with, oh, is he, he going to wait for a night with his missus? I can't, number one, I can't understand how he got to Spain. And I know we were joking about Ryanair, but as far as I'm aware, the majority of commercial flights between Scotland and Spain are cancelled. The insinuation appears to be that he has gone to Spain to meet a club or representatives from a club behind Lenin and, and, and Celtic's back and, and in breach of, of all protocol. I wouldn't be surprised if someone had flown him there. I mean, seriously, how did he get from Monday morning is apparently when he flew out and he's back by 10 o'clock in Lennox town in Wednesday. What's the fucking motivation to go and do that? 
and how does he get there? Those are really fundamental questions. What what club is flying ball and goalie to Fuck Spain no. for, for signing talks? I, I, I can't even imagine that being the case. But see, see if there is, and I know that that was put to Lennon in his press conference this afternoon, if there is the insinuation that another club's been involved or he's gone to meet representatives, that means on top of this absolute clusterfuck we have with COVID and with our games being postponed, that you're also going to become embroiled in this tapping up situation. And of all the players to tap up, you've got a fucking bang average left back. And the one that's in the departure lounge. Ridiculous. There's part of this story missing still, clearly, why he was there, when he went, all that sort of stuff. See, to, see, to be honest, nobody cares why he was there. It's just the fact he was there. The fact that the fact of the matter is, apart from maybe Christian on the WhatsApp who thinks his ceiling's high enough that we should uh, persist with him in some way, the vast majority of Celtic fans had, you know, just given up hope that he was ever going to be a player for us. So, put it this way, see if it was another more prominent player and he was away talking to another club, that would compound the situation. You'd be raging with him for doing what he did, and then you'd be worried that you lost him. Nobody cares why he was there. It's just the fact he was there, and the ramifications of what he's done are being laid bare quite clearly just now. I dread to think what would have happened if he'd um, returned a positive test. Now, that's still possible, but the incubation period, the virus the virus can show up for up to up to two weeks after it. I think after about five or six days, that becomes less likely, but it's still possible. It's still totally possible that this could, you know, it could be COVID positive and that spreads it through um, the rest of the squad. So you've got the screaming madness of the fact that he was even there. Nobody cares why he was there. It's just that he was there. And it actually makes it a bit worse that we brought him on on Sunday. You're just thinking... It's, it's just I mean I'm just perplexed with the whole situation I just I'm frustrated from a selfish point of view after the game on Sunday you wanted to go straight into the game tomorrow night and try and make amends and now we're not even going to be able to do that on Saturday we're going to have to sit tight they might rack up points going in front of us and all for nothing for a player who nobody even cares about if we're being perfectly honest and I don't know if that actually makes it worse in my head but it's just it's just crazy. The guy is, there's no excuse in, I, I, I can't even put it any words. I take it everybody, um, everybody agrees that it's, you know, he's done. He, he can never play for the club again. Uh, absolutely not. And I guess the only, so I, I, I'm friends with a sports lawyer. He, he, um, Name and shame in. Come on, put your no, money where no, no, I can't. But he does a lot of contractual work for Serie A and Serie B clubs, Edinburgh law firm, but mainly. So I was so asking can, him. So you can him, narrow it down from that, guys. If you do. Is, is, is it a good term? Uh, he is. He's a very good guy. Good um, but I was asking him about the bar for proving gross misconduct and and actually the existence of a gross misconduct clause. So he said they're common in players' employment contracts but you don't see them enforced very often and, and they're very difficult to enforce. And, and the bar that it has to be there to prove gross misconduct is incredibly high. I would suggest that um, if there's any situation where Celtic wanted to go down a gross misconduct route, it's, it's open for them. Do you know what I mean? The guy has broken the laws of the land, the laws of... Yeah. So it's, not, it's not even a stretch to say that he's endangered the lives yeah, of, his, yeah, yeah. of his 
of his empl- of his of his colleagues, of the Kilmarnock players, of anyone that he's met in between. That sounds really drastic and really dramatic because obviously if you're talking about football players, you're you're talking about people that are in peak physical condition uh, and and that you know you would assume would be able to fight off if they turned up a positive coronavirus case. But that's not really how coronavirus works. And there are anomalies and there are stories of young people uh, and fit people and healthy people being incredibly unwell. And even if they're not, uh, you know, fatalities, then they can be very unwell for a long time. And that's essentially what he has done with his actions. Uh, and I can't think of what could be worse, really. And Murdering somebody, but that's about it. But I'm not, not that but, much yeah, more. So that's only if he actually gives someone the coronavirus and they <laughs> die from it, you know, but that's, we're, we're fortunate that that hasn't happened. But, uh, you know, we're talking about terminating a contract and, and me and Christian were kind of going back and forth on it uh, as we want to do these days on issues. And it's great uh, to see. I love it. I know. I just, just don't, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, the, I just think that whatever would come from that, and I, I don't anticipate that being a smooth process, either legally or financially or anything, but I kind of feel the same as you, Lee, that I just think that the club has to take the strongest possible action, and not only because of the extent of the, the offence or the, the extent of the breach, but to show the other clubs that Celtic as an institution are taking the the problem of COVID seriously to show to the Scottish government that they're willing to take the process seriously and to show to the fans because there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of rhetoric about Neil Lennon as well and all this and that he's in some way to blame for this culture uh, or that why were the players given days off? Well, the players, uh, uh, JP confirmed the players were off Monday and Tuesday. So they've just played a game on Sunday. They're off Monday. They then have to play games Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So three games in the space of a week. I think there's a case to be made why they can be given a day off when there's an opportunity. I don't think that's completely out of the question. Um, but the notion that Lennon's just like, boys, you're off for two days, go to Spain or like booking a ticket for him or something like that is fucking insane. Uh, and yeah, I've lost my train of thought. I'm just so annoyed. But that's it's, but the the point that you make there about the you know about the players being off uh, having two days off. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what everybody's thoughts are on that. I mean, personally, you know, <laughs> there's been so many rumours going about. The, 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 it's wild with rumours about loads of different things, like I have been in Norway on on the Monday. But I don't know if that actually happened or not. These things about players and and nightclubs and like all this sort of thing, or not and, and bars. Sorry, but. You know, there seems to be all these rumours going around, which I think speaks to a possibly a, a wider issue, which I want to come to in a bit. But on on the point of players having two days off, is that fine? I mean, personally, they they finish a game on on Sunday and then that's it. They don't report back into training until the Wednesday. I mean, I don't know if I'm just looking at it through certain tinted specs because of the performance that we then saw on the Sunday, but so I would suggest that in any, when you look at the fixtures we've got coming up and, and, and as I say, we can, we can talk about what the implications of these two postponed games and trying to fit them in. Realistically, this was Celtic's only free midweek, probably until Christmas. 
So, so essentially, there was there, it was Lennon's only opportunity to give them what was essentially one extra day off. I'm assuming they would always have the Monday, the, the day off after the game. And he said, right, take Tuesday as well. You've won 5-1 and get back in on Wednesday. Now, you then look at that decision through the prism of the performance of Sunday, right? Now, is there an argument to say, actually, they were still getting up to speed? And should they act, could they have used that day of training on Tuesday? Very possibly. But I think when you look at it as fucking hell, they're going to be playing 20 weeks in a row, probably two, three games a week. I, I don't think you can begrudge the decision too much. No. Do, you, do, you th- do you think the club are squeaky clean in this thing? The, the club are squeaky. I, I don't know. You can't, you I mean, they're, they're obviously saying you're, we've you're, done we've done everything that we can to, you're, to you're, educate the players. You're going down. You're going down a road that we don't know, and you can start speculating about this. We can start speculating about players that were in pubs. We can speculate if Christian Ayer was in Norway. What we know for a fact is what Bowley done. See, getting an extra day off in the context of what Ian's saying with all the fixtures we've got piling up. I've got no issue with it. People are only looking through that that through the prism of the one each draw we come on look at the weekend. See if we'd won that game, nobody would care. If Bowley hadn't went to Spain, nobody would care. It doesn't matter. It's a decision that was taken because of the amount of fixtures we're going to have to play. That, so I don't think that's personally an issue. right? I think what's happened with Aberdeen, what happened with Griffiths, what's happened with Ball and Goalie to a certain extent, is broader, broadly speaking in society, because measures have moved for us to start to open up, people think it's not serious anymore. People think that we've started to move away from the situation where we need to be um, vigilant about these things. Now, that absolutely doesn't excuse them. I believe the club, when they told them, obviously, they shouldn't even have to say that you shouldn't leave Glasgow, but I believe that that was probably made clear to them. But what we've got is a group of grown men who need to take uh, individual responsibility for their actions and who haven't done. The fact that I think that wider society is moving in that direction, but that doesn't matter. They're in a fortunate position to be playing um, in a sport that most people would absolutely give an arm and a leg to play in, and they're paid handsomely to do it. They've just had several months off. Now, okay, it wasn't in the ideal circumstances, but they should be dying to get back into the game, and they should be taking this absolutely seriously. I wouldn't be surprised if there's been far more breaches um, across more clubs, but we can't speculate about that, you know, so so we don't need to do that. Just did you recently dig it? But I think there's an interesting, like, for me today, absolutely has to be the watershed. Mm -hmm. And I think looking backwards and, oh, my God, so-and-so was in a pub and they did so-and-so, that's not helping anybody. Oh, I've got a photo on my phone. Ah, Look, Jamesy Forrest was was wrecked. (laughs) Stop. Going forward, footballers... Do you know, we always talk about our footballers' role models and, and should they be role models, right? And, and and I can go either way on it. But fundamentally, they are not above the law and they are not above a particular set of regulations that have been written for footballers to allow them to be able to continue to, to apply their trade, to go to their work. And, and actually, there is no excuse for them. There is no sort of, I, uh, don't, don't worry, because you're all right in here. Have a pint. They should be, as Lennon, as Lennon said, work, you know, training, pick up messages on the way home, home, game, training. That's it. They're not going to pubs. They should not be going to, you know, restaurants with their family. Half maybe. Half What's that? 
Tapas bars. Tapas, no. Kebabs on the way home, no. No, that's a different matter. Home delivery for all <laughs> those things. There's a, line, there's a line drawn, as Ian says, there is a line now being drawn for the people who've been caught, the people who maybe haven't been caught, to understand the severity of the situation that we still find ourselves in. So, see, after this, the Scottish government came out, can maybe touch on how the Scottish government used might, might have used the situation to divert from some other issues that they've been dealing with recently. But they drew a line in the sand today. Sturgeon coming out and saying this is a yellow card. Next time it'll be a red card. The line's been drawn. The line has absolutely been drawn. And if anybody steps over that line, they're putting the entire season at jeopardy. Uh, I'm just glad that our qualifiers still going ahead because that would have been the ultimate disaster. You have to assume that I know. I know that I believe that Bolingoli is is not been up at Lennox Town, and I believe he's like having to quarantine now. I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not, but I think, I think he's got seven days quarantine already. Yeah. yeah, you would have to presume that Neil Lennon has read everyone there the absolute riot act, uh, and as you rightly say, Sarani, that this is the line in the sand and it cannot be crossed. I mean, coming back to the point about are the club squeaky clean? I, I tend to agree that I've got no reason to disbelieve that the club, when they said that you're not allowed to leave Glasgow, it shouldn't need to be said, but it, you know, I'm, I presume it was said. And Lennon has been quite quite forthright with that. He said as much when he was talking about the Aberdeen breach in that press conference, which is you know an extra slap in the face given how this has all played out. But you know, Neil Lennon can't tuck them in to bed at night, and he can't you can't put a tracker on them. They have to take ownership for their own behaviours and their own actions. Uh, and when I was talking about like a butterfly flaps its wings see a little bit of what you said as well Sarani see if the SNP had not botched the the stuff with the exam results so badly say that it had been a quiet news day the last couple of days or the, the last week or so and this comes up there's absolutely nothing to suggest that they wouldn't have just stopped Scottish football for a week or for a month think about the implication that that has not only on you know, we don't get to watch the football, people's livelihoods, etc. We all want to be able to to be a part of it. But think about it from a Celtic perspective. If they're not able to play that European tie, if they're not able to get the revenue stream of potentially the Champions League, if Odson Edward doesn't want to stay at the club because he wants Champions League football and Celtic can't provide him any European football all season, let alone how many games behind we fall in terms of games in hand against Rangers and, and other teams in the league, all because fucking balling, balling golly goes to Spain. And every time I say it and every time I hear it, it sounds so fucking stupid. But it's just so absurd, uh, the, the sheer fallout from such a silly thing. I think that I think the SNP that have got lucky with it, and I'll, I'll try and explain what I mean. I think the, the timing of it has meant that they can essentially use Aberdeen as the well, that that was was to be perfectly honest. Had Bolly Bolingoli not gone in Spain, gone to Spain, I think there was still a decent chance our game on Saturday was going to be postponed. I think, you know, there was a reasonable clamour to suggest, wait a minute, should Aberdeen be playing any of these games? And 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 Bolingoli is the straw that breaks the camel's back at that point. I think the fact that the timing of it means that that Sturgeon can can say, well. You're, you're both seven-day ban and actually it finishes just in time for us to play the Champions League game means that she's not had to go absolutely nuclear 
and and equally she's also by drawing it under the line drawing a line under it there's no way that these postponements could continue i strongly suspect in the next 48 hours what you're going to see is a set of sanctions coming out um that will say essentially if you have a breach and you cannot fulfill a fixture it's a 3-0 victory to the person that you're playing and that's if they don't cancel football completely but i think I mean, they should have thought through these sanctions in the first place. But actually, you know, from what we were hearing this morning, I, f- I feel that we've got off relatively lightly. But I don't, I still question their motivations for, for what they do with football. I do, I do think it would be a bit harsh, as Nicola Sturgeon said, though. If, I mean, she was quite clear that she didn't want, you know, Kind of the innocent parties involved in it all to be the ones to suffer. I, I, I primarily the fans, you know, because she did stress the importance of football for society and, and didn't want to to shut down the league or anything like that. Um, I just wonder if it, it comes in with some of the other kind of some of the other kind of rules in, in, in the game where you know if clubs have been if if it can be proven that clubs have done everything in their power to prevent it from happening if they've done everything and had everything in place but one individual because at the end of the day that's what we're talking about we're talking about one individual that decided to fuck the whole thing for everybody it it would be harsh i think for the club and for the the wider game to then be punished because of one person's actions. There is a near precedence for it, though, and I can't believe this is going to be the only time I get to talk about cricket on the night on the cynic. So here we go. But so so the Test cricket has been played in 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 these bubbles, and and so the West Indies and Pakistan have come over. Essentially, they live uh, at the hotel in Old Trafford and and, and play the g- games there. Uh, England are playing in Southampton and Jofra Archer decides instead of travelling straight to Old Trafford he's been told to he wants to fuck off home for the night and go to Brighton for the night and, and see his missus presumably and, and and that genuinely like they were saying that in terms of the revenue that could have cost the ECB £40 million because it jeopardised the whole thing so you've already seen that these one fucking stupid action and and they were so clear, and he got banned, and 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 was back in his playing. But you know, the, the potential consequences were so severe. So how can they not? I mean, and I know I'm not saying they're all cricket fans, but it was it was fucking front page news in every sport when he did it. That, that's that because uh, it's cricket. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's that's yeah. what bringing up cricket in the cynic deserves, Samani. Thank you for putting me back in my place. The, 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 just just on that, I mean, see with the, the sorry, Stuart's touched on it. The butterfly effect of what can possibly happen or where we can go, and, and, and it's only when you actually think about it and you start to chain your thoughts together the ramifications of what has happened and then what potentially could have happened. The going back to the Scottish government stuff, I, I don't blame them. With what they did, I think they had to take a stand and they had to do something. Absolutely, I don't. I think, I think it, that was completely important. I think on what the the announcement they were making today on the reversal of their school exam stuff, it wouldn't have been unwelcome for some of them. But I think that what was said though was important. It was really, really important because see, as supporters, if we're having these thoughts where we can extrapolate how dire situations like this can be to the game and how it can be to the finances of Scottish football and the livelihoods of so many people. 
I think it needs to be battered into the skulls, not literally, of a number Jesus, of people. Jesus, that's a strong, not strong language there, Samani. Not just Bolly, but the Aberdeen players and any players who's hitting the boozles instead, instead of just doing that train game home thing that they should be doing. This is still a dire, serious situation that we're here. And people need to get that through their heads. Today, for Scottish football, hopefully, hopefully we don't see any more of this happening again because, to be, see, to be perfectly honest, it's it's it, it, the tipping point is the words they used and that's what it is. Listen, I don't, I don't want to make the whole thing the, the ball and golly show because I don't think the, the asshole deserves it, to be honest with you. But um, has anybody else got any points they want to make in, in relation to it before we So the on? only thing I was going to say, and I think I've probably just sat and done the sums, and I think I'm probably now right with Stuart on, on actually that we should just be going down the gross misconduct route. We ah, spent, get up, you Christian. Yeah, get up, yeah. We spent £3 million on volleyball and goalie. So from a financial perspective, you could argue that as an asset, we would want at least that back or more. The way that Bull and Goalie performed for the, you know, in the second half of the season, non-existent, and his performances in pre-season wouldn't be worth £3 million. We probably have in the region of £3 million of wages to pay to volleyball and goalie if you assume that he's in the region of somewhere to fifteen to £20,000 plus a bonus structure. I, that's £3 million down the fucking drain. And, and do you know what? Unless whoever's meeting him in Spain is going to give us £2 million tomorrow to get him off our books, then just get him to fuck. I also just think it's important to, for the club <clears throat> when we're talking about the, the actions of an individual I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but it, it is the actions of an individual. And if you can distance yourself from that individual by saying he that he's yeah. fucked up to such a degree that we will happily take the financial hit. We don't want anything to do with this. We want to run a tight ship. We want to take this as seriously as possible. And that is this individual who's made a, a catastrophic error of judgment. And so they now have to deal with the consequences, not us, the club. And I think that that's an important thing, step to take. And I think that, Farming him out on loan or selling him, trying to recoup money is not a good look. I still yeah, gave him I mean, a match in the reaction uh, for the command that game. Or just uh, you did give him man the match because you love the bants, Louis. That's why you gave him man the match. See, to be perfectly honest with you, see if there's legal ramifications around uh, getting rid of him in gross misconduct. Just put him in the reserves. I mean, the guy's not going to play for us now. It's a question of time when he leaves. Um, there'll be few tears shed over that because. To be perfectly honest, he's not performed. Um, draw a line under it. He's now done with the club. We need to get our ship in order. Scottish football more broadly needs to get its ship in order. And this has to be a harsh, harsh lesson for the club uh, and for, for everybody else involved in the game because you don't want to be sitting. You want to be sitting here slagging the team for their performance on Sunday like we did on the reaction and looking forward to putting that right tomorrow. Whereas now we're just sitting, just bemused that we're in this. Well, well let's let, let, let's kind of get to that. I want to I want to talk about the commander game and actually talk about it from a football perspective. Um, but first, as you said, no. But as you said there um, about getting our ship in order, I've I've got a real worry. I must admit, I feel as if you know we possibly need this break of a week. I think this club has like it. It's um, it's had a false start to this season, as far as I'm concerned, on and off the pitch. I think it's Celtic have became a bit of a mess right now. Um, I know we won five one in the first game, but 
the performance wasn't, you know, it it could have been better. Um, we've had the Griffiths stuff. We've now had the ball and goalie stuff. There's loads of other rumours flying about. Um, there was, you know, we've not really done much in the, in the way of the transfer window. Um, you know, it just seems like, are we actually serious about the whole going for 10 in a row thing? I, 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 do, do, do we really want to win this league title? Because nah, we don't want to win 10 in a row. So the only... But pe- um, pe- do you know what's up there? They're not fucking taking it seriously. So, so I We all do, do need some perspective. Um, I'm going to mention Strunai's feather at this point because um, it was probably about 48 hours too early and it's probably still 48 hours too early, but he had a kind of a take a bit like Louis that, that, that actually at this point um, you know the break might do them some good, and they're going to play the, the 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 games that are rearranged at a point when they've bought better players and have a stronger squad. Now, I thought that was a pretty hot take, but I was just like, you know, Louis, you're not by yourself. The big man did not take the temperature of the room before he fired that he message, and I'll tell you because I was fucking up to Hydo and I did not appreciate <laughs> it. Um, yeah, I think that it's, it's all just. I'm 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 mostly concerned about the knock-on effect of Celtic chasing. Um, I think it could go one of two ways. I mean, you've seen time and time again that the last thing that Rangers do well is is hold a lead, or you know they're they're always one for a bit of a bottle crash. So if you give them this lead, you know maybe they won't know quite what to do with it. But it's an open goal for them. I mean, can you imagine? It's, it's everyone's worst. Worst case scenario that you would be eleven points back, like four games into the season, and I just think that the way we saw last season, who knows what will happen in terms of seismic global events that can bring seasons to a close, or just bizarre factors that you would not have anticipated. I mean, Rangers never got their game in hand last season, and to have two games in hand at this season, at this season, at this stage of the season, I just don't like that, and I think that. If you thought that there was pressure on Sunday when you know every game you need to win every game, Celtic really do need to win every game now because you've got this hypothetical gap where you're assuming that Celtic will win their games. But every time we drop points, that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, and they get more comfortable, and that that worries me. Um, that does worry me. And also from a from a recruitment point of view, we probably needed a left back already before Bojos goes in his holidays. And now we probably need two. So that's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> cheer, cheer up. Oh, right. Um, the bigger the gap gets, you know, the more worrying it is. I'm not, I don't think you can extrapolate anything of, about our form and their form. We've had one away game and one home game. They've had one away game, one home game, same as us. And broadly speaking, I mean, if McKenna hadn't chased Morelos up to the halfway line, that game would have finished nothing each. They created very little that day as well. So we're working on an assumption that they are firing in all cylinders and we're not. Now, that's partly due to history last season. right? So, And I'm not going to sit here and say that they're rubbish and they're not going to win all these games because there's every possibility they will. 
But, but, the, but the off the off the field stuff is not exactly creating a very good atmosphere around the club. We should all everything from top to bottom should be concentrated on the football performance. But the off the field stuff is solely down to ball and goalie. See it's not. It's that. Lee Griffiths as well. It's a lack of transfers as well. All of this, all getting people talking. No one's focusing Louis, on the actual football. Louis, not even I the players. Me, they never even you, turned up at the weekend. If, if Bowley hadn't done what he done just now we would be sitting talking about what we're going to do on Wednesday. That's what we would be talking about. We wouldn't be talking about Lee Griffiths' party. We might have been talking about signings, but we'd heard that we were back in for Tony and Ajeti. Lennon said he was wanting to go for a centre-half. We would be talking all about this. Would we be talking about the fact that we needed to sign players? Yes. Right? But Paul and Goalie has now then dialed everything up to 11, where we've no signed them. Uh, we drew that game. Uh, everything's wrong. There is part of that, part of that's there, but you can't go from not to a hundred. It's is it bad? Yes, it's bad, but it's primarily down to what he's done, as opposed to the other factors. I think. Now, I'm not a guy known for his perspective. I'm like you. Ah, oh, oh, fuck I'll, it. I, 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 that's not what I wanted to hear. I think it's all this shit. I like to lose it. I like to lose it. Let's not lose, let's not lose focus on what the real issue is. It's that our crap left back went to Spain when he shouldn't. See some of the other stuff. Do we need to get up to speed? Do we need to add players? Yes. Do I think we were going to do that? It looked as if we were. We're being linked with some good players. Aye, aye. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come to all that crack in a minute. Cam, cam no, it a wee bit. No, you can't cam it because there's too much to lose here. So so I'm going to give you my hot take. Stuart's already had this spicy hot take run past him yesterday. So I, I think we, as a club, I, I wouldn't have this as a sort of something that we'd say publicly. But I, th- I think privately, Celtic need to stop fixating on 10 in a row. The reality is three teams have won nine in a row in Scotland. No teams have won 10 in a row. So by definition, failure is the most likely outcome if we look at history. And in that sense, I've been watching a lot of snooker this week. Yes, it takes you nine years to get the chance to win 10 in a row. But do you know what? This is a shot at nothing. Nobody's ever done it before. Go out there, go and enjoy your football, your winning team with a winning mentality, and stop forgetting that. I'm not going to talk about Sea Biscuits, Stuart, but but yeah, I, I really I do think that that, that you you know we we just have to go out and enjoy ourselves. See before Stuart comes back in on the conversation you've had, and Louis put back on his John Lennon specs. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Ian. Come on, man. Come on. You can't just say, oh, we'll go out and have a laugh and if we win it, we win it. No, <laughs> come on. We've been singing ten row, for 10 in a row for eight years. It's, a, it's a tiny change in the perspective. It's, it's turning your thinking on it slightly. It's like that scene. You ever seen Parenthood? You know, where he says to his kid when he's playing baseball, just go out and have fun. What you catch, you catch. And what you miss, you miss. And then he drops it, and it, there's a flashback where he's on top of the thing saying, you made me play second base. He's got the gun. That's exactly what that is, Louis. You, uh, sorry, what the you, fuck is this tangent? I don't even sorry. know where we are. What I'm saying is, you can't just dismiss this as nothing. It's too important for that. What, what I said on the agenda yesterday, which is perhaps not quite as an extreme version of the same school of thought, is that I just think that as fans, we need to perhaps... Uh, try and manage our emotions a bit better about the whole thing uh, just because yes every drop point feels like an absolute disaster but there's 
I talked about this as well, that obviously, obviously, obviously it should be stated you can break down the reasons why Celtic underperformed on Sunday. But the performance that those Celtic players put in on Sunday was a very uncharacteristic performance for this group of players. Uh, and I don't think anyone would disagree with that, even if you want to you know, point the finger at Julian or point the finger at certain individuals. So, I mean, it, it could, as, as Sermani said, if, if our left, crap left back hadn't gone to Spain we'd be sitting here talking about the St Mirren game and you know if we go and absolutely shoot them tomorrow night and it's 4 or 4 nil, 5 nil, something like that it's a different perspective and you see that maybe it was just a bad day at the office and it was a culmination of a lot of just bad performances but yeah that's, that's something that's easier said than done because obviously when you're so close to achieving such a, a massive massive achievement you don't want to fuck it up, but sometimes that mentality of worrying that you're going to fuck it up is going to make you more likely to do so. So I'm I'm highly emotional, and I will be highly emotional at every twist and turn of this whole thing. If, I have to say, if the first two weeks are anything to go by, I am not looking forward to it at all. Because it's no, I genuinely couldn't sleep last night because of Bowling got, and I was like, "How is football doing this to me?" I finished doing that podcast, and I like half twelve. I'm still fucking like. Mate, you uh, need to. You should go to Spain. You need a wee holiday. Just go for that. Just, just for one night. Just for um, one night. Listen, let's talk about the football. We we obviously drew uh, one each against Kilmarnock. It was a very very poor performance. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, general thoughts on on what what was the reason? What, what I mean, it was such a such a terrible terrible performance that. It looked like a bunch of players who were not interested in being there. They had no desire to win the game, to to change the game when when it became one one. And I, I was really shocked. Like even me and Samani were doing the the reaction, but you know it wasn't until the next day that I was actually quite angry about it. You know this is pre Ball and Gully's, um holiday news. Like I was, I became really angry about it the next day because it was so gallingly bad, and it just seemed like a team of players who were all couldn't be asked, couldn't be asked. They were all taking the Ian Duggan route and just, you know, ah, for half that. I think, I think in hindsight, it's because they were all absolutely smashed on Monday night and they hung over on Tuesday, and that 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 was that was hung over. Maybe Bolly brought some absinthe back. He might have done. He might have done. I mean, I'll. I'll say a couple of things because we were on the reaction talking about it. Why did we lose that? A completely and utterly lethargic attacking performance coupled with um, our centre-half struggling with an aggressive striker. That was it. I I, I think, yeah, and, and, and I think it really came down to a failure of attitude. And, and, and there is potentially, you know, a, a sort of a feeling that, that we could turn up and, and you know what, the best 11 will win out on the day. Fundamentally, what we came up against was a really well-drilled Kilmarnock team who had a very simple plan and executed it highly effectively. And and we didn't, we did very little, we did change the system 66 minutes, but we never changed our attitude. And actually, that was the fundamental thing that was missing, was a desire to go and win. As, as Stu said yesterday, it was a sort of, shock when Christie scores so early and you're like, oh, maybe this is going to be okay. But but it never felt right. Um, 
and and you know I, I do put that on the players um I, I don't think we should have had enough to beat that team yeah I don't think it's the first time that that Celtic have encountered a, a stubborn team of hammer throwers that just want to sit in and be well drilled and be well organized and frustrate us and blah 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 but you know over season after season after season it's just something that we're, we're used to by now and we always kind of find a way there's always either a uh, an intensity that, that that wears these teams down to the point where they lose concentration or they just physically can't can't matches or there's a bit of individual brilliance and that was just kind of lacking from from everyone individual magic Christopher Gallagher says the same thing that I've said but with different words so um, hopefully you'll appreciate me saying that um, yeah the there was just no no spark no creativity and as Ian says just a, 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 a poor attitude. Even it was so frustrating at the end of each half when Celtic were just knocking the ball around oh, yeah. inside the box. There was no penetration. There was no desire from anyone. But as I say, that's incredibly characteristic of that team. So I can't really point to why suddenly you get that. And also, as Samani says, if, if not for Julien's fairly catastrophic handling of what should be quite straightforward defending, you probably get out of that game with a win. But you can't leave that sort of stuff in the lap of the gods and you can't leave that stuff to chance because if it's not a, a, a defensive error, maybe it's a bad refereeing decision and it's not like us to allow stuff like that to to take points off us. So well, I, I, every player was awful, right? And I think you're right to, to highlight Julian. Alan McGregor because of the, goal. the only one with pass marks. Yeah, and like a very, very, very I think, low bar. I think Big Barkas came in obviously for his first start, and and you know, as Samani said in the reaction, all he really had to do was catch a ball and roll it out to the centre half. What must he be thinking? He's come in and he's like, "This is a fucking <laughs> zoo. What is this absolute shit show I've signed on for?" Exactly, but you know, Julian. You know, do, do we have to be concerned about Julian? I mean, this isn't the first time this has happened. Do, do we, you know, do we keep our faith in him and hope that he changes, or should we be looking at, at replacing him? So last night we uh, we recorded the the Celtic bracket for the weekend, and and it was centre backs, and it was like the ridiculous to the sublime, and talking about well. I guess six of the eight of them are, are, are up there with, with the best Celtic centre-backs of our lifetimes. And we were talking about the sort of sums involved in buying them and the attributes. And, and, and frankly, we could probably get any one of the six in to just come and give Julian a fucking talking to. Um, because it, it's almost like kryptonite for him there's he's a very classy defender he can do everything and he does it really well but he comes up as against a big lump of a striker who stands in front of him or backs in and he doesn't know what he's doing and i just i feel like honestly get fucking bobo on the phone and 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 talk him through toughen up a little bit i don't i don't think he needs to go and i don't think he should be replaced but we should be getting him the right coaching i and julian have got the same weaknesses and i think yeah. that's the problem now, if you put, I've been linked with Shane Duffy, for instance. If you put Shane Duffy next to either one of them, you're probably going to be able to handle aggressive situations better. I know that's quite crude and simplistic, but you've got two centre-halves who've got a lot of attributes. Both of them, um, Julian, can play phenomenal passing out from the back. You know, Ayer can really 
build play from the back, drive it forward. But the two of them have a kryptonite when it comes to Scottish football, um, big aggressive dumplings up front. And, you know, and, and I maybe was a bit critical of Kabamba on um, the reaction. But I said he wasn't a good player. But seeing the overall scheme of things, he's not really. I mean, he's, he's like Cosgrove. He's, he's, he's like Lyndon Dykes. These guys are designed for one thing, to lump the ball up to them and they kind of push about centre-halves and try and knock the ball on. That's what they do. When they're so common in Scottish football when you struggle with them, that's a problem. Now, if you've got somebody who's more comfortable dealing with them playing alongside Ayer or Julian, I think that you're more able to kind of counteract and deal with that. And I think that's what we need to be looking for. I mean, I know you two are brothers, but they two are like the Chuckle Brothers sometimes, <laughs> I and Julian. I mean, even I looked as if he could just go, you know, that daft noise that Gal does. It's like every time he, he ran towards, like, you know, to the corner, he was like, Ooh. anyway. Um, I thought, you know, when Celtic switched to three at the back, um, they went 3-5-2. You know, everybody was crying out, in this, you know, at half-time even, really. Um for Neil Lennon to make some changes and, and do something, and he was bold with it. Um, as Gal said on the reaction, you know, in the group chat, he was bold with it. He changed the formation. He went three five two. Um, he, he he brought Brown off, which we're going to get to in a wee minute. But personally, I think if Iron and Julian kind of have to play, right? They're, they're going to play every game. I, I can't see someone, another centre-half coming in and one of them being dropped. But I think we've got to play 3-5-2. I think Julian has to have someone. He, he has to have somebody either side of him to protect him because he's far too vulnerable with either somebody running in behind him um, or he, he's just clumsy and... and he, he goes in when he shouldn't go in, and and I think you, you mitigate that a wee bit if if you you have three at the back. We done it. We we changed to that formation in January last year or this year for a reason. You know, it wasn't working the four two three one. It wasn't working at the time. We put a lot of thought in it into it over the break, and we changed it. Went three five two, and we, we played the best football that we played last season. You need a wing back as well. That's yeah, pro- yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I know there's other. Th- I, know, I know we need to to do something in, in the other positions to make it work. But I think if if we don't and we have the two of them as two centre halves, Julian especially, everybody knows how to play against them now. I think he needs help, and I would have a lot more faith in both of them if there was a third in there. I think Elhamid is is. Perfect to be in there. I, I always think Elhamid looks looks assured, and I, I, I never worry about Elhamid when he plays. Obviously, he's got his injury problems, but you know we've been linked. We're going to come to transfer rumours shortly, and, and we've been linked with, with Shane Duffy. You know that might be the type of guy that we need in there. Somebody that's just no nonsense. Somebody who's a leader that can you know lead Ayer and Julian although they like to think themselves as leaders I, I think they're a pair of fucking donkeys half of the time um, so I think we need to go three, five, that's, what we need. that's what we need you know was, does anybody agree with that I mean I, I, think that, I agree with you I think there's every indication that you know Lennon would like that option certainly the way that they're pursuing not just one but two strikers implies that he would like the option of having two strikers to call on the only thing that I want to see is that if they are, if he is adamant 
with that, then you need to sort out the recruitment in the other areas because obviously there are issues as regards who plays wing-back. James Forrest is not particularly equipped to be a wing-back. Jeremy Frimpong is ideal for that sort of situation. Um, you can't just try and fit everyone in. You have to try and pick players that are going to fit those positions properly. The three-five-two was very successful. Celtic were pretty ruthless. They played some great football. Um, at the start of this this year, end of last season, and it was come up. They 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 worked on it in Dubai because it was seen as a solution to problems that they've started to have. Whether they were stagnating a little bit in the league or whether they were struggling to 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 get, you know, if Rangers had their number, for example, that was kind of the plan. <clears throat> I was pleased to see him make that change. People that were shouting for him to change at halftime and stuff like that. There's no reason that that first 11 that he picked should not have been able to break down that Kilmarnock team. But he gives them 10, 15 minutes. It's not working out, so he makes the changes. And ordinarily, you know, Olivier and Cham is going to be your first sub off the bench. People are clamouring to get him in the team. But the system dictated that that wasn't to be the case, which again is quite a bold decision to make. And it just didn't really work because across the board, there was this sort of malaise, this sort of just really average approach. But I would have been... It wouldn't have surprised me if, you know, we were playing tomorrow night if we hadn't started three five two just to see, just to freshen it up, just a fresh impetus, try and play a different way, try and not be as predictable. And I completely agree with you that among the many strengths of the three five two, from what we've seen, and again, providing it's uh, recruited properly, having an extra body in there alongside Julian is is would be great. Would be great for his confidence because I think a lot of it is confidence. The, when you're asking about replacing Julian, I don't think Julian needs replaced because I've seen him play very, very well enough times to know that he's completely capable of it. It's just frustrating that it's the same problem, and the fact that you see it so often means that that's something that needs to be addressed somehow. Hopefully, we get some signings that can jet in from countries that are approved on the approved travel list and won't need to quarantine for two weeks when they arrive here. Such a wee teacher's pet, isn't you? Um, Scott Brown was taken off um, in a big moment. I thought a very symbolic moment. Um, he, you know, the whole debate around Dincham versus Christie, um, you know, I think there's a bit of a... Uh, like, I, I'm a fan, of, I'm now a fan of Dincham, right? I'm a fan, I've been converted, but... He is not the Messiah. I think a lot of people think no. that if you just put Incham in there, everything is immediately a hundred times better. I, I don't think so, but I would certainly have him in over Scott Brown. With Scott Brown being taken off, um, we've debated for years on this podcast um, about what Scott Brown's role is. When is his time up? Does he still, you know, give us what we need um, in a in a footballing sense? We always talk about the intangibles and all the kind of leadership qualities that he brings to the team. But from a footballing sense, he's been piss poor in the in the first two games of the season. He was terrible against Kilmarnock, chasing shadows, and he he was taken off. And I I was very shocked. I didn't think Neil Lennon would take him off, you know, ever. <laughs> I, I just fully expected Scott Brown to play every game he was fit for this season and then play the entirety of them. Does that maybe show us that that's not the case and, and either Scott Brown's time will be limited or that, you know, possibly Lennon might put a better player in if he thinks that someone else can contribute more? I still think when Brown was poor against Hamilton 
poor against Kilmarnock. I still think he's behind Christie in the stakes of who should drop out first. Yeah. As much as you can say about Brown, and I agree, Louis, I think I think he might play. Not, I think he'll play the majority of games, but he'll play less. But I think Ryan Christie on his form at the current moment is far bigger a problem than Scott Brown is. I think he's weak in the pass. He runs about like a headless chicken, notwithstanding his goal, which was quite clever. But the keeper probably should have done better. That that can't paper over the cracks of his performances. The guy doesn't is lacking a level of discipline that we require in the midfield just now. So you've got Callum McGregor essentially in there having to shoulder the poor form of the two of them. Brown, I'm sure someday I'm, I'm sure we can come on to talk about the merits of him playing forward. But for me, the most alarming issue in the midfield just now is Ryan Christie, not Scott Brown. I completely agree, Sir Manny. I would, I would, I, I, I was surprised that we didn't do the straight swap of Christie coming off and Jam going in, and I would like to see that first. I think with Brown, we've always known that you need to manage him up to a level in terms of him getting going. And actually, of all the people who probably didn't need seven days off, it's Scott Brown. And, and, you know, he will have to be managed this season, unquestionably. Um, but actually, you know, if we can hang on to Encham, then, you know, I, w- I, I would want Encham playing in the 10 because I think that's his best role. And actually, it's probably about McGregor moving back a little bit and, and, and that, that does potentially create another spot for, for somebody to come into that central midfield. Sure, Duggan, you've got a clear chance here to become the better Duggan. Um could it just be that we, we li- do we listen to both of these guys? Do we drop Brown out? Do we drop Christie out and just have a midfield three of McGregor and Cham and Roger? I think it's a it's a fool's errand to write off Scott Brown. We've learned over the years, I'm afraid. Um, although I would agree that his performances just haven't been good enough those first two games. I think there is an element of that where he maybe needs to get up to speed, but obviously needs to do that quickly. Um, I was as surprised as you were that he came off and... I don't know if that's an indication. You know, you can say that you can't write off Scott Brown until such times as, you know, he is going to eventually be done at some point. His legs are going to go or he's just not going to be able to do it. And I suggested yesterday on the agenda that perhaps Scott Brown would be the one that holds his hands up to say that for the good of the team. Gal disagreed. But I don't know if he's... I, I, I certainly think that if if his performances were consistently very poor, then then he would be moved out of the team. Talking of the intangible, speaking of the intangibles, prior to yesterday and today's events, I would have said that they're not quite as important, but I think that Scott Brown's more important than ever to this team, which is clearly, you know, requires some kind of steady, firm hand, uh, whether it's the fact that they've put in a, a substandard performance that a lot of us can say can be attributed to their poor attitude. They need someone that can put a rocket up them on the pitch, and that's always been Scott Brown's role. Seen the comments. Didn't, didn't do it on Sunday. Didn't do it on Sunday, no. Although Kieran did say, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, being at the game, that the only player that he heard verbally saying we need to pick up the fucking pace was Scott Brown. And obviously, one, t- one time in the first half, though. I mean, yeah. unless K-, K Dev's ears are failing him, I, I don't think that's enough. I, I think he should. That, that guy's like a bat. He would, he would have for sure heard. Um, the point I wanted to pick up on was Chris Julian at the start of the week when he was opening the Superstore. Um, he's a much better model than he is centre-half these days. 
Very was talk, was talking about the impact that Scott Brown had had on him as a captain and how he's never had a captain like him. And when he was being asked about how, you know, a lot of your concerns, Louis, about are they taking the 10 seriously? Do they realise the extent to which this is historic? And he made it really, really abundantly clear that that Scott Brown has has very much made that clear. And I think that right now when there's a real concern that people are losing their focus or that they're not giving their all, you really, really need Scott Brown's influence in that team to try and steady the ship and to try and get people back playing the way that they can and the way that they should be for such a situation. I, I, I totally I agree. I, I, think he, I think he has to be there and he has to be in that dressing room and, and you would hope that he could really influence things and, and lead the group. But I... You know, I used to say that I think Effie Ambrose should go and work in the Superstore. You know, I think he would have been great in the Superstore. Scott Brown, I think it's time for him to take a new role and be on the, the be in the dugout, be in the dugout and and be in the dressing room, get the boys fired out, fired up before games. But I think when it comes to being on the pitch, from what I can see in the game so far, from pre-season, the first two games of the season. He offers nothing in a footballing sense. It's, nothing. It's wait, 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 are we saying? Where are we saying? No, no, I'm getting into food. I'm going you for managed, it. Fuck it. No, no. You managed to flip flop in the same sentence. I agree. <laughs> He's got to be there in the dressing room. He's so important to the team. But Aye, okay. off the pitch, I just don't want him across the white line. In the dugout. Now I'm going to give you an out here, Louis, before Stu comes in. I'm going to give you an out. One player to save the season. All aboard the look of motion. Am I right? Oh, well, uh, that's, why I left, that's why I left uh, a, a gap in my centre midfield there, Samani. I was setting you up for that. Perfect. So where's he going, yeah, Samani? Yeah? Where's he going? Who? Fucking Luke O'Connell. You brought him up. Where's he going? Straight into that central midfield. In place of? Christy. Christy. And Cham's still on the bench. I'll go down there. <laughs> um, I'll go down well with his agent. Um I agree with the concerns about Ryan Christie as well. He's been enormously frustrating to watch all through pre-season and then those first two games and the goal did very much paper the cracks. I, I, th- I suspect that the reason that he was left on was because, I don't know, he'd, he'd had that moment of brilliance and maybe they thought that he had another one in him or something like that. But it is frustrating when you've got a player of Encham's quality uh, and just how readily Ryan Christie caught up the ball it's very frustrating I wouldn't write off Scott Brown yet Louis I think you've been you've been undone by that a couple of times in the past this is brand though I've, this is brand I've got to you know I've got to be right at some point you know <laughs> that, I mean? well that is that is unfortunately true that like a stopped clock eventually Scott Brown will be done <laughs> and that's yeah, yeah. yeah and, and you know what some members of the Celtic uh, Twitter Twitterati are, are, are really you know waiting for that day and they continue to post that sentiment what? Listen, regularly. Can I, there's some an- analytic people on Twitter that are absolutely dominating Christian and it's great to see. <laughs> just just before we move on from the central midfield, can I ask the Dugan brothers, whose opinions I hold highly, unlike Louis, Brent Tom Rodgers. Now, I'm not, sure, I'm not too sure in your feelings on him, Ian. I, I know that you've got this kind of pining that Louis has as well for him, Stu. Romance. But, but the guy... I've just written them off, really. I mean, he'll get games at, at times this season, right? But there's some people saying get him fit and get him in to save the season. 
And I fucking love to get him fit. I've been trying to get him fit for years, but it's, 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 it's not going to happen, is it? It's just yeah. I'm I'm probably getting towards your your feeling in this, Romani. It's the fact that like they don't even mention if he's injured. You know, just that you know we can mention we can name forty five subs, but Rogic doesn't make the bench and he's not in the injury list either. And you're like, well, what, what kind of what's going on? I'd, I'd like he, to he does it. feel like he. You know, he would. He's probably struggling to make the bench at the minute. If, if, I, we, if we didn't have nine subs, I'd like to make an announcement. I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't know what. They're, they're not, back. <laughs> Coming no, up the August train. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what kind of vehicle it is that Rogic is. You know, a, a, a racing a, car, a, the Rogic racing car, something. Rogic racing slow. car. It's not a fucking race car, mate. That is the last thing. <laughs> um, I'm giving him two more league games. See if he doesn't feature in the two two league games. I'm coming off the bus, and I'm and, I, and, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to come off the bus. I'm pulling him out of it. I'm going to get in the driver's seat. I'm going to run him over. <laughs> See, to be honest, you'll flip flop that. Cam the tortoise is not. Going to yeah, going to perform better. this season. Oh, he's he's, I, he's been thinking about that one for a while. I, I, know, I just came up with that one there quite like, but but Louis, that's it. You've already thrown him under the bus when it comes to Europe. Now it's official. That should be the name of the podcast tonight. Louis throws him under the bus. Um, <laughs> it's not catchy, but I, I see. What, <laughs> well, I said uh, we've got a couple. Gal said we've got ten minutes left. I mean, he's just been a Aye. dick. But anyway, hey, we've got ten minutes left. It's not like one of our players nearly got football cancelled today or anything. Like I know, gives yeah. a chance. Um, actually, I need to go. This is what Gal does. See, after the golden, it just pisses off. He don't even get a chance to see fucking end teacher. Anyway, transfer news. Apparently, Ajeti is close. Neil Lennon said that he's not actually in Glasgow or he's not came to Glasgow for face-to-face That was the talks. absolute kicker at the end of last night, by the way, because that started off with guys, Ajeti's at the, at the Blyswood. It's all exciting. And it was about quarter to 12. They're like, oh, he's not in Glasgow. So we had we had Ajeti in Glasgow, Paul and Golly in Spain, Ajeti still in London. You're like, fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we should probably hold off on, on thoughts about a Yeti because it, it does look as if he's going to sign, which is positive. Um, a lot of kind of rumour about Shane Duffy coming in. Um, Neil Lennon said today to the press that he wants a, a centre-half in or that they want to sign a new centre-half. Um, would Shane Duffy fit the bill? I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd absolutely love him. I think it's exactly what we need. If it had to be a, a lone... Um, then, then so be it. But I, I think, as Sermani said earlier, he's exactly what we need. And, and if we were going to play the three-five-two, I think he goes straight into that starting eleven. I think that I would love Shane Duffy to come to Celtic. I worry that the finances probably might not be feasible. But I also feel like for every for every foreign player coming in that we're saying ten in a row doesn't matter to them. Blah blah blah. I think 10 in a row would definitely be up Shane Duffy's street, if you know what I mean. I think that would be very much something that would appeal to him. 10 in a row. 10 in a row. 10 in a row. Terrific. Um, obviously, with uh, Bolly, you know, basically ending his Celtic career, we only have Greg Taylor at left-back. We would expect another left-back to come in. I think, there's again, there's been a lot of rumours in the last couple of days that even before this story broke about him that, we are going to be signing a left back. We just don't know who yet. Um, and I hadn't. I sort of was was doing a, a weird piece in of two and two together. But um, 
Celtic, do you know you get the A lists and the B lists when you put in your UEFA squads? Yep. If we got Aaron Hickey back, he would go into our A squad because he was with the club at 15. So actually that is potentially another thing in his favour that, that that might suggest that we go in for, was it the 48th time, according to Craig Levine, has, how many bids we've put in for him? The only sticking point there, Ian, is he's he shite. <laughs> the thing about the A-list, him, the A-list. Hickey, Hickey's, Stuart said it earlier, we needed. We probably needed one left back. We might need two now. See if Hickey's one of the two. Fine. Yeah, but I would. I, I would be far more comfortable with getting somebody who goes straight into the side. Well, I linked with that Croatian guy Kalina. Well, I linked with Max Lowe, the Derby player who. Is oh in yeah, Aberdeen as well. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't really comment. Lowe never really stood out to me, and if if Derby aren't wanting too much for him, I think that says a lot about what they think of him. Kalina, I don't know, but I'd be far more comfortable with get with us getting somebody who can go straight in and be nailed on our first choice left back. See if we brought Hickey in as well. Fair enough. So uh, there's a strike, uh, a jetty striker coming in. Neil Lennon says they're looking for a uh, centre half. Boy, we're going to have to sign a left back now. Um, the other bit of news was that apparently Celtic were putting in a third offer for Ivan Tony at Peterborough. Um, if Tony comes in and Ajeti comes in, two strikers, although there's been a wee bit of speculation that Tony would play possibly on the right. Um, again, I would imagine because James Forrest is just a bit of shite now. Um, would anybody worry that that's because Eddie's leaving? I mean, can you really see us signing those two strikers and Eddie st- sticking around? Yes. That, sorry, Stuart. Oh, you would be worried. Oh, no, carry on, sorry. I think that... I, I don't think that would necessarily mean that Eddie leaves. Now, I, I think that Eddie staying might be predicated on what we do in Europe because you saw how annoyed he was with the Clues game and the Copenhagen game. Let's put that to one side for a second. I think that when we got Eddie in, essentially it was to replace Dembele. And in a position as important as striker, I think. I mean, you can see what's happened with Tierney leaving and what we got in after that and the problems that's caused. But the focal point of our club, you know, was Dembele and then it's Eddie. I think the club realised that they probably need to have the people in who are going to replace Eddie when he goes, which almost certainly will be next season. I mean, if he stays and we win the 10, Eddie's gone. Or if we don't win the 10, which isn't going to happen, he's going to leave in the summer. So see if we get Tony Ayeti in, fine. I don't think that necessarily means Eddie's going to go. That's not to say I'm not worried about it. Because of... to become worried. Sorry, Stuart, were you going to... I'm just going to say, yeah, largely the same sentiment, to be honest, that um, I think especially if, you know... And, and from what I'd heard of Ajeti, that he can play on the right anyway. And then it was news to me that Tony could play on the right. I think that the, the fact that you're getting Ajeti in on a, a loan deal is similar business to when we had Edward in on a loan deal. Um, gives you sort of two cracks at it. It does worry me slightly. I agree with you that Champions League is essential uh, in order to keep Edward. I don't think he'll stay if we if we don't progress in Europe. I do think that it maybe spells the end for Griffiths because whilst it's been a bad couple of weeks for him, it's probably been a pretty fucking good day today that now there's a new public enemy number one in terms of lockdown breaches and in terms of professionalism. But I suspect that the club had come privately or publicly kind of towards the end of the line with Lee Griffiths. And I could 
I would be very happy if the situation was that we had Edward, Tony, Ayeti, and and Klamala. That would be absolutely ideal, especially if they are looking at three five two. You know, lots of options there. We um, we of course should have been talking about the St Martin game tomorrow and, and the Aberdeen game at the weekend, but you know because of Bolly the prick, our next game is next week. It's in Europe and the the first Champions League qualifier. We are playing uh, Reykjavik. Um, we got a home. You know, as a home tie, uh, which I think is you know great. We've got two home ties, in fact, in the first two rounds. Um, if we get past Reykjavik, we play anybody. Why have a stab? Tour Garden, Tour Garden, or Ferenc Faros. That sounds good. Um, thoughts on the draw? I, I mean. Personally, certainly Reykjavik, I think we would all say is a pretty favourable draw, especially when it's at home. Second one, I think a wee bit more, wee bit more dangerous in, in terms of opposition. But having that home tie is going to be all important. Yeah, the home tie is massive. I think I was really, you always, you, you come into these qualifying rounds and you think, all ah, right, great, right, we're seeded in all four rounds. Whoa, what an advantage, perfect, right? Here we go. And then you, the first round, you're like, fight, okay, yep. Good, right, Rekovic, great draw. The, the 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 teams that we could have got in the second round, which was essentially Cluj, Slovan, Bratislava, or Ferenc Varos, Stroke, Jungan, you know, it's a really high level really quickly. Um, and, and I'm very happy that we're playing them at home. So, you know, you're certainly not going to underestimate either of those teams. You would be hoping to, to, to continue on and then there's a kind of couple of weeks off and then you get into the... The, the third round, which is also a one-off, and then into the, the two-legged playoff. No excuses if we don't qualify. That's what I'm going to say. Both rounds. Yeah, Reykjavik need to get both barrels as well from a, from a morale standpoint. And you would hope that there's, as you say, no excuses. They've had a full week to get ready for it now. And they've got a lot uh, of making up to do uh, for the domestic you know, situation. To bring us full circle back to Ball and Golly, Linfield, uh, our friends across the water, not our friends, our enemies across the water, had their Champions League game postponed today and, and likely forfeited in their favour because one of the opposition players got a, a positive COVID test. So, you know, these things are incredibly shaky. Do you know what I mean? Like anything can happen in these things. Absolutely, we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully when we come back next week, we can things will be a wee bit more positive. We might have actually signed a player, and and Bolly might be sacked, and we can move on from it all. But uh, you know, personally, I'm still pretty worried about you know the current state of affairs. Certainly, off the pitch, it's it's distracting from the main goal of the season. But it's been cathartic and, and lovely to speak to everyone. Chris O'Malley, Lee, thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you. Very formal. Uh, Stuart Duggan. Thank you very much for having me, Lou. It did help a little bit to vent some of the bile. Absolutely, Ian. Thank you for having me, um, and I'll be delighted to come back anytime you'll have me. Listen, you can come back anytime you like. You just tell us. This has been the Sonic Weekly. We'll speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.